Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 33. Today, we catch up with Luke Nilsson via Google Hangouts, and we talk to him about an article he just wrote for irunfar.com titled, With Whom Lies Responsibility? So make sure you pay attention to this one. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Matters. All links from the show notes. Now let's get after it. Hey, welcome back to another Trail Matters podcast. This is episode 33. Uh, we are doing this again via Google Hangouts. Uh, we've got, uh, as always, we got Joel Hatch in his office there. Joel, how are you? Doing good on this rainy Saturday afternoon. I know. Where was this last week, kind of, for me? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and our guest really does. He's he's been with us before. This is the second time on the show. Uh, he came back in episode 11, or the first time. Uh, we caught up with him in Turtle Miller's van. That was quite a show. I, I recommend going back to that. But he doesn't re- need a huge introduction. Uh, he's a race director, global traveler, runner. He does it all. Husband, father. You know, and if there was such thing as the University of Badassery, he'd definitely be a professor there. So, That's right. uh, we got uh, we got Luke Nilsson out of Pocatello, Idaho. Luke, thanks for joining us today. Uh, totally glad to be here. So, like I said, we're on we're on Google Hangouts, so we're we're still playing with that. I mean, there's pros and cons. Some of the cons might be the sound. The pros, as you can see, we don't have to wear pants, so that's yeah. always a good thing. So uh, that's some good things there. But Luke, you just uh, recently wrote an article uh, for irunfar.com. Um, it was awesome, by the way. Uh, With whom lies responsibility? Um, and if you haven't had a chance to read that, I recommend heading over to irunfar.com, checking that out. But Luke, tell us a little bit, just kind of where this came about, and then we'll kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it. Sure. So. Um... A couple months ago, there was an incident that happened at a race down in uh, South America, Ultra Fjord, where a runner um, uh, unfortunately uh, didn't make it home off the trail. And that kind of thing happens when you play in the mountains. Um, what got kind of what bugged me is the reaction on social media. Um, it was kind of a mess and a lot of finger pointing. Um, particularly at the race directors, uh, for it being their fault. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly how it went down, but it definitely bothered me that it was really easy for people to hop on their computers and point their fingers uh, at uh, someone, some second party uh, for the reason that this guy passed away. Uh, and it made me think, and it, you know, on a lot of long runs after that, it, 
I'd say got under my skin. Uh, so I wrote a few thoughts down with the original intent of probably just writing them on my own website. And as it evolved, uh, I felt like it would be something that needed to be or could be brought to the community at large. Um, so I bounced the idea off a few friends, helped kind of refine the writing a little bit, and then I asked uh, Brian and Megan over at Iron Far if they'd let me publish it there because I think that they've got a pretty big reach. So that's how it ended up there. <laughs> well, you know, and, and in the article, I mean, one of the things, and you keep reiterating on there, it's like you're not there to, to point a blame, and, and I think, again, like you mentioned before, that's always a bad thing, right? I mean, you know, your article goes on to talk about it, but at the end of the day, I mean, I guess it's kind of pro who cares, right? Someone, someone got in trouble. They didn't make it off the mountain. I don't mean who cares. There's no one to blame, but that's not the time to point the blame maybe too, where it's still fresh. Um, and you, and you, a lot of things you brought up. And one of the biggest things I think that came from that article is accidents are unintentional. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what an accident really is defined as, right? Yeah. I mean, Nobody intended when they left the starting line that day to not come home at the end of the race. Uh, so, and there are some consequences or maybe some decision-making that happened along the way there that, um, that all of us make at one level or another. And, and this is where we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of this. When you go and play in the mountains, you make decisions on how much risk you're willing to accept. And that is a constantly changing thing based off of experience or the concept of drift, which I mentioned in the article, where if you get away with it over and over again, you may be willing to accept more risk, even though uh, the consequences keep getting higher and higher. Um, and at some point, you kind of either have to pay the piper um, or at least learn some type of lesson, uh, hopefully not with your life, though, uh, if you're taking that additional risk over and over again. to get everybody home. But if I look at it from the 10,000 foot view, the runners in my event, take the 100K for example, if I add up the amount of distance that I have direct interaction with the runners while they're on the course, it's about 150 yards. Wow. And then for the rest of the 100K, they're on their own. They're making their own decisions on whether to follow course marking or how their nutrition is going and how they're taking care of themselves. And so less than 10% or less than 100 or, or what is that, 98% of the time they're completely on their own. Um, so what can I do to make it or help them make good decisions while they're out there? It's really tough. Well, I think he did a good job with, you know, having the right amount of stuff at the aid stations, not having this overly abundance of things to choose from. And then you had the, the volunteers. The, the volunteers were everything, right? They, they were pretty knowledgeable for the most part, and they helped everybody in a timely manner. And especially with those conditions, that allowed everybody to get back to the, the finish line relatively healthy. I mean, I'm sure there were some people that had to go. And yeah, yeah. I mean, our race, we... It was hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, ba we battled the heat pretty bad. Um... Where, where I had some runners kind of get in a little bit of trouble, but fortunately I had some amazing volunteers, particularly on the medical side at each of right. the aid stations that were there, uh, you know, identifying those people who maybe were getting in trouble a little bit and um, helping them make good decisions. <laughs> right. So there is that balance there where you want that runner to be responsible, but also you need to be safe in the same breath, right? I mean, the, the, 
they're mutually, you know, inclusive. They go together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the permitting and, and the insurance for the race has certain requirements that they set on me as a race director that I have to fulfill to ensure my participants' safety. Right. And that, you know, sometimes that doesn't sit totally well with people that, that I have to be so heavy-handed or so um, restrictive or, or rule-driven in a sport that enjoys no rules most of the time. True, but, you know, it only takes one event. It only takes one really, really bad event for for your race to go away, right? I mean, if somebody got in big trouble because you didn't dot all the T's and cross all the I's, your event is no longer there, right? And we don't want that. Right, right. And we know that you're going right. to go back and do that. So I, I would rather err on the side of caution and maybe lend that little extra help. Just so you have that longevity yeah, event. Agreed, agreed. And this is where the conundrum arises, and this is the really what I wanted to get to at that article, is who's in charge of taking care of you out there, right? Is it me as a race director? Is it my volunteers? Or is it you? And, well, and it's, it's, it's not like, it's not one answer. It's a step, right? It's this tiered thing. It's the runners, number one. Two, it's the, uh, it's the race director. And three, it's, unfortunately, it is the volunteers, whether whether yeah. you agree with that or not, they're there, and boy, sometimes they got to step in and make some pretty tough decisions. Totally, totally agree, and and I think that the conversation that needs to happen in our sport right now is how do we get the runners to be more prepared or more willing to accept that responsibility instead of just shucking it off on someone else. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think that... unfortunately, you know. <laughs> That's tough. I, I don't think there's a, a good answer to that right now because the, the sport's blowing up so big right now and people see, you know, there's articles every day on Twitter. Hey, run your first ultra, so on and so forth. And people think, well, this is going to be an easy thing. And maybe they get in over their head pretty quick. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah, also, I, like some of the spoiling okay. parts of it. Um, you know, where you, I think you mentioned in the article as well, is people now, they come into an aid station and it's like, well, I expected this, 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 and this. Um, I didn't, you know, bring whatever. You know, where's the where's the quesadillas, you know, at mile okay. 31? I'm guilty of that right there. <laughs> I got this mountain aid station is like, where are the quesadillas? But, it, but it's like we've gotten spoiled because I, I haven't been around, you know, I'm nine years maybe into to running these races and nine years ago it was gummy bears, peanuts, and pretzels, you know, yep. maybe some potato chips. And now you've got broth and ramens and mashed potatoes and it's it's gotten to a degree now where it's almost like I'll take a couple of gels and just graze off the, the aid stations. And I think that's where people can get into trouble a lot as well. So it's it's kind of that spoiled part of it where they're relying on the race or the race director to provide even more, right? Right. And so, is it the race directors speaking? Maybe as maybe I even speak as myself. As, am I the race director making people lessen their skill sets to be doing ultra marathons, right? And as a race director, I want to make it accessible. I want to get people into the sport. I want to have them feel what I felt when I ran my first ultra marathon, you know, my first 50 mile race was the Pocatello 50, which is what this scout mountain race has become. And so, so as I do a more detailed job or, or a better job, if you will, at having 
high quality aid stations and high quality volunteers, am I lowering the bar for what participants are willing to do? Or take responsibility. Right? I mean or take responsibility for. It's such a, it's such an interesting conundrum. And and as I wear different hats, you know, it makes it something I kind of battle with. And and Joel, you mentioned that our sports growing super fast and I it's um, exponential growth all the time. Number of events, number of runners, new people to the sport. And and I am seeing a lot of parallels with what's happening in ultra running with what happened or is happening in climbing. Right. And and they have this explosion of gym climbing happening. So a lot of people climbing in a very controlled environment. Uh, routes are generally set. The bolts are always safe. There's no rock fall in a gym. Um, and there's a lot of accidents that are happening with climbers that are leaving the gym and going outside, you know, graduating right. to that next level. And And I think there are things that we can learn from what's happening in the climbing world and ultra running and not have to make the same mistakes that they are. And what that really boils down to, the more that I've thought about this, and maybe even a follow-up article would be the appropriate thing, but I think that what is starting to lack in our sport that, that you guys and I had when I came into the sport was mentoring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and those mentors helped us learn the ropes of how to navigate a course, what foods to eat, what not to eat, how to handle yourself in the mountains on training runs, and I think that there are so many new people coming into the sport that the quote-unquote mentors that they're getting don't have the skills to really mentor. Well, we've, and, we've, and, and we've said it before on the show is now, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. It's, it's, you know, if you heard our show, you know, we've talked about coaches, and that's the same thing. Yeah. You've got people like Atai, uh, you know, Jason Coop, people like that that, are pedigreed and have some some oomph behind it, and then you have someone that just finished their first hundred, and you see they're coaching people. So, right. Right. and that's and that's and that's kind of goes back to what you're saying. The mentoring, you know, I my mentors were like a Scott Jaime, okay, and he'd been doing it for a while, um, you know, and some local people here, Tom Remkes, Corey Johnson, that have done some some amazing stuff, and so those were kind of my mentors. And now it's the same. I mean, it's weird when people ask me questions like, "Hey, so you know, what do I do on a 50 miler?" I'm like, I don't know if I'm still the person to ask. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I look to my mentors in ultra running, you know, guys like Jared Campbell or Ryan McDermott or Chrissy Mel, um, the, Rock Horton, you know, the folks that had been around for a long time when I came into the sport. And they really helped me to understand the reality of what the game is that we're playing. And it's, and it's not... It's not all unicorns and rainbows, right? I mean, there's there's hard stuff that happens out there, and you have to make hard decisions, and sometimes that those decisions are risking your life, even in trail running. Yeah, absolutely. This past weekend, you know, I, I think that, you know, as, as great as you did in race directing, there's a section on your course, there's 10 miles, no aid station, that shit can go sideways real quick when it was hot. And I remember we uh, we were going on that Scout Mountain section, and I only had 40 ounces of water. And I started doing the math real quick. I'm like, all right, you can drink every two miles. If there's a snow field, you're getting in it. You're going to do snow angels. If there's a water crossing, you're going to cool yourself off. And that was based off of 
kind of just, well, one, it was common sense, and two, it was just years of being on the trail, running and being in the mountains and climbing, knowing that, you know, you got a long section, you're going to be out there for multiple hours without support. you got to take care of yourself. And I think that's where some people are kind of missing that that kind of common sense. They, they either haven't had the experience or they don't have the mentorship to handle that situation. So that was definitely a place where, you know, Stuff could have gone sideways real quick. Yeah, yeah. I was I was very very nervous standing at the starting line at a 35k, uh, and I noticed three or four pretty fit looking guys without water bottles. Ooh. And, oh. And 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 my thought process is is man, like this is this is hot and it's far, and yep. and you're ill prepared and yeah. and. And and to both of them, I mentioned, hey, can I give you a water bottle? Do you need one? And they they declined. Uh, I found out afterwards, uh, one of them DNF'd. He was in the lead by ten minutes at Big wow. Fur Aid Station. Ten k to go, had a ten minute lead, uh, but wasn't carrying enough water. He, he was carrying a, a four ounce Solomon soft flask, four ounces, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he got so hot and confused that he could not navigate. Oh. And ended up hitching a ride from I have no idea where back to the finish line, and got huh. there two hours after uh, the second place runner came or the the eventual winner came in. Right. And we're lucky that he made it back. You know, <laughs> like I think so. <laughs> that was a hard section. You know, that, that's a real deal. That that's like the epitome of kind of being in the mountains and having to rely on your skill set. And like you said, I. I I think a lot of people that are either getting into it or are actually in it, either they they take it for granted or they don't have the right group around them or they don't have the mentorship. And we're going to see more and more of this, unfortunately. Well, and, and unless we do something about it, and that, yeah. and that's what I think where we're at right now. Well, no, I think even if we do something about it, I think that's just the nature of. Our, our culture and our society right now. You know, one thing we're talking about, too, is right now we're talking about racing. But as we all know, before you race, you train. And you don't have aid stations. You don't have race directors. You don't have any of these things. And so you still see the same issues but on training runs, which realistically are, are more dangerous, in my opinion. You know, winter, you know, summer storms, you know, on peaks. You know, we've talked about it before. It's happened here in Utah. It's happened in Idaho, Colorado. You know, when you leave home and you're like, oh, I'm going to go for 15 miles, I'll take a handheld. Well, what happens if you, you've mentioned it, roll an ankle? What if you get into a storm and you're not clothed well enough? There's there's a mention there with, uh, oh, who who'd you mention in the article? I think it was, uh, correct me here, help me out here, uh, Killian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I think that's the other side of things is, I mean, we, we focused here the first on racing, but, you know, it's, it, it does come down ultimately to the runner and not just in the racing, but in the training part. Cause now in Utah, huge rattlesnakes are out. I mean, big ones more than ever. Um, you have to be prepared. You have to know where you're going. If you're not local, you can't use that. As, as someone said, I think in one of your comments, you can't use not being local as an excuse. You need to know the terrain you need to know your you know extraction points if it need be if you get up in a thunderstorm so I think it does ultimately come back down to the runner and even in a race situation you can't rely on other people to take care of yourself 
minutes, but you were talking about ignorance and complacency. Yeah, we talk, and, just referenced the, the ignorance uh, comment. Yeah, and it's, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's basically having the knowledge and information to take care of yourself or where you're at. So, you know, to me, at the end of the day, your whole article is based... I'm, I'm not going to rely on a race director or, or volunteers. I think they're there to help if you need them, but I'm not going to rely on them either, right? you got to do your homework, and that's a training run or a race. Yeah, and, and I think that, that it boils down to, you know, how do you dispel ignorance? Well, that's with knowledge. And so in order to kind of overcome that, you need to be able to learn more. Um, and either that, either that is learning how to handle yourself with less, how to get found, or how to navigate. Um, that's just really how you can dispel that is, is to learn more. So Eric, are you so, picking up that? Eric, are you picking up that uh, kind of secondary audio? Not really. Okay, Luke, are you? I was just now, but it was the first time. Yeah. So our my apologies if you guys are kind of hearing that echo in the background. We're still trying to figure this out, and hopefully, when we come across on the actual podcast, you won't hear that. But when you actually watch the, the YouTube video, you'll we will probably hear that echo in the background. We'll try to fix that. Um, I think another thing I wanted to bring up is that that drift. And, and, you know, I'm totally guilty of it, especially in my days when I used to live in Jackson because there, there was definitely a higher level of risk when you were, you know, skiing and snowboarding and climbing in the, the Tetons than compared to running along the Wasatch. And you get that complacency real quick once you survive, you know, a hairy situation. You know, you're like, huh, I survived that. I kind of know what to do. And then you're kind of willing to bump that risk or that risk tolerance level goes up a little bit. And I definitely see that happening a lot along the Wasatch front right now. Um, and it makes me nervous. It's, it's a bit scary. Yeah, it is. And, and the problem is, is we keep getting away with it. Right, you know, every time we go into the mountains and we come back without incident, even if we risk something or we did something that we shouldn't have, if we get away with it, we think that we're fine to do it again next time. Yeah, that, that's certainly not the case. Right? And you just slowly move away. True. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard because, you know, it's that human nature or at least, it, you know, the individuals that are drawn to trail running or, you know, kind of like that, you know, climbing or skiing and backcountry snowboarding, we all crave that adrenaline. That's one of the things that brings us there, right? So it's that balance of, okay, I want to go do this again, but I also kind of crave that, that heightened trail, like, Adrenaline rush. It, it's a, it's a tough balance. I think one of the comments on I Run Far was really good when the guy said, "Hey, you know what? Your family's got to say in this too, whether you believe that or not." But you kind of have to dial back once you've got that family life going on. That's that's what led me to trail running as opposed to ski mountaineering and kayaking. Well, we, we it was in uh, we had Eric Johnson um, on the show a few weeks ago. And one of the things he talked about, because it came up in the article a little bit, is, you know, uh, a gear list. You know, what 
say UTMB makes you carry required gear. That's kind of their safety net, knowing that you're out there with equipment that you, they'll know keep you safe. And there's people like Eric Johnson who's done so much and a veteran of, of everything, even staying alive for that matter. And he's like, I don't like races where they tell me what I have to carry because I know what I need, right? And that was another thing in your article is who knows you better than yourself? Yeah, he talked about his 1,000-mile Iditarod race, right? I mean, and the, the fact that they don't require anything. Carry whatever you want. Yep. And that in and of itself is the, is the gatekeeper. And people knowing that they have to make those decisions of what they're going to carry, they come prepared because if not, they're going to die. And, and they realize that those are the stakes that they're playing with. Now, wait a minute. You, you said that like you listened to that show. <laughs> I may have just listened to it this week, actually. <laughs> that was a good show. As long as you listen to our show, I'm good with that. So that's good. That makes me feel good. <laughs> so what what is some of the feedback you've gotten on this? I mean, we've seen the, the comments on I Run Far, and, of course, it went around Facebook and people posting and doing comments. But I know you know you have some people that are close to you or, or maybe not even. Um, what's some of the feedback you've heard about this? I mean, when I talked to you last week and you said this was coming out, you almost looked nervous. You almost look nervous for what was going to be said or what kind of reception it would get. But how do you feel about it now? I'm super happy about it. Um, I think that I, what I was nervous about was it generating the same kind of junk show that the accident that led me to this conversation generated with a lot of people being very critical of uh, someone else's actions as opposed to owning up. Um, and I was afraid that that conversation would go that direction where – People would say, "No, it's totally the race director's fault, or it's you know it's someone else's uh, responsibility." And the feedback has been overwhelmingly in agreement with the thought process that I had: is that we need to take responsibility for ourselves, and if we can help other people around us, great, let's do that too. Um, I've had uh, one of the references in the article was from Drew Hardesty. Mm -hmm. He sent me a Facebook message today, and I, I I respect that man as 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 high as anyone that I do. You know, he's a he's a climbing ranger in the Tetons, and he's an avalanche forecaster in the Wasatch, and the guy over and over again. And uh, he 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 had high praise for the way that I had approached um, bringing this concept up. And and if 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 he was the only one that gave me a positive comment, that would have been enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think you you know, you can tell you took your time with it and you were you could tell you were wanted to make sure you got your point across without without offending people. You know, you want to say it in the the correct way or the politest way, but also there was a point you wanted to make and I think anybody that reads that feels that. You know, it's like right out of the gate, I'm not trying to blame anybody. I'm not trying to shift the focus. Nobody knows what really happened, you know, in Chile. Um, so coming across that, I think it was just a time for people to step back and, you know what, he's right. You know, maybe next time I go in a high elevation run and it's 90 degrees when I leave, maybe I take a windbreaker, you know, stuff it in my vest, stuff it in my pocket just in case, you know, something like that. So, you know, I think it was it was needed, and I don't know if people wanted to come out and say this um, for one reason. Maybe they just didn't think about it or know how to write it, but it's definitely needed in the sport, and I hope you do have a follow-up to it. And I really do hope that more people read it um, and then take it to heart because it is so critical to what you do on a daily basis. 
yeah, I hope I hope they read it and that, that we have this conversation more. That we figure out, you know, how do we teach personal responsibility to people coming from road running or from soccer or from whatever their sport may be that leads them to trail running. You know, let's have this conversation about, you know, you're laying it on the line. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, and it is. It's just taking that responsibility and understanding that because. You know, you, you mentioned in the article, modern society loves to point the finger. They love to play the blame game. It's easy. They don't have to talk to anybody. They can type it out and, and let it go and troll, if you will. But it's it's super easy to do now. It is. <laughs> Too easy. So you going to come out with a second article on this? A little follow-up? Maybe. We'll see uh, where this goes. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got some stuff already written. Um, so we'll see where it goes. See if we need to write a little bit more. Well, I've got an idea for you that you can take. So you've, you're an art race director oh, yeah. and you're a runner, oh, yeah. and Pocatello's got some beautiful mountains and campgrounds. So I'm thinking, we when I say we, I mean you. We'll promote it. Uh, we could it, it'd be the Luke Nelson How to Take Care of Yourself in the Mountains Camp, right? Mm -hmm. A little wilderness survival for the trail runner. Tell me that's not a good idea. I would sign up. Um, Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> you don't sound you've, got, you've, got, you've got time. You've got time. You've got the location. You've got the beard and the knowledge for it. Oh, he's got the beard, huh? He's got the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe we're on to a reality TV show now. Oh, yeah. That'd be uh, I'm, awesome. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I, want, I want practical use. So, so we'll shift off that. We're going to post a link to the article for those that haven't read it. Um, and I encourage everybody to take the time to read it. It's a great read. Read it a couple times. Really get it in your in your head. Um, you know, something great Luke did. We're going to catch up with you now, Luke. We we caught you on, a, you know, in January at OR um, in Turtle Miller's van with some candy and puppies. We got you in there. So you mentioned your training. It's so different this year, right? <laughs> Your training is so different from what you've done before. Um, how is your training going? You look great. You look fit. Uh, I'd say training is going fantastic. Uh, I'm having a little bit of a hiccup right now. Uh, Monday morning after the Scout Mountain Race, I tweaked a hamstring just slightly. Um, so this week's been a little bit more of a recovery than we would have liked. But uh, overall, I think my training is leaps and bounds above where it's been before. Um, I've hit some marks, um, kind of just benchmarks to see where we're at. And, uh, it's exciting. It's going well. Well, you're, you know, those that can't see this, we're on Google Hangouts, so we can see when Luke was talking, he was smiling. So I think that's even a hammer home that things are going good. That's right. That's we're gonna miss you, El Vaquero. It is right. You can see it. You can you can see it through the facial hair. <laughs> well, you, yeah, I won't be at the Vaquero this year, but I will be at Norway looking to kick some butt. So. So yeah, what did, what's your schedule look like? Last time we talked, it was the was like what the extreme or the ultra sky race series or something. What's was that still on the docket? Yeah, so um, I just bought my plane ticket yesterday to head to New York uh, for the white face sky races. Um, I'm racing the short distance there, um, which would be exciting, kind of as a tune up race. And then a few weeks after that, I'm headed to Norway for the opener of the World Extreme Series. So you After got three that, races? Uh, I'll be at the, the rut race in the 25K. So what Fast. else are you going to do then? Fast. Well, so, so after the rut, I'm headed to Scotland. Right. 
for the next in the extreme series, and then when I get back from Scotland, uh, the plan is to race Flagstaff if I'm in the running for the national champs for the skyrunning distance in the U.S. That's awesome. That is awesome. So what's your what's your long range plan? I mean, obviously looking at this year, are you looking at next year already? What you might want to accomplish next year as well? All that depends on a lottery on. in December. Ooh. So are we talking like Western or Hard Rock? Is there is there a question between those two? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Hard Rock, isn't it? I see. Yeah, it, okay, gotcha. I, I gotcha. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you who your uh, favorite is this year at Hard Rock. Who's your who's your three or four they are going to gun for it? Oh, hard, oh geez, who's, who are my favorites at Hard Rock? Well, Killian, of course. I think Killian will set a new course record. I think he'll, he'll break his time. Um, and then I think people need to look out for Jeff Browning. That guy knows how to run hundreds. Wait a minute, so Jeff Browning's doing Western. And then he's got, well, is that a two- or three-week break between Hard Rock? So that's like a three-week break, is that right? Yeah, it's three weeks this year. Well, I mean, yeah, Killian's definitely a, a ra- so we're watching out for Jeff. That's two. We need at least, like, the top five. Mm, okay, so Joe Grant's number one on the wait list right now. If he gets in, he's a contender. What about Brian Powell? Brian Powell could be sneaky. That guy's training his guts out up there, so I think he could he could be in the mix, maybe. Anything can happen in those San Juans, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't paid that close of attention to the rest of the field, to be honest. When I didn't get into the lottery, I just kind of turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> Said the hell with it. Well, Luke, I know you're you're a busy man, and uh, we probably got we got you hung up there in uh, the Lowe's parking lot. Yeah, um, but uh, we, we're definitely going to get you back on, especially after your races go so well for you, because uh, we like to see the smile, we like to catch up with you. But again, man, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thank you so much for writing this article. Um, even listen to people and, and yourself and people like that know, but it's just good to hammer home as well, um, and it gives other people a really good idea of, hey, this is this is real, right? So. Totally, totally. Well, thanks for giving me uh, another platform to talk about it on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, great job at the Smut Race. Just let me know when your uh, trail running survival camp starts, and I'll be the, uh, the first one to sign up for that. Perfect, it's about perfect. The only thing Date forthcoming. It's about the only thing we're lacking. And, and this is a great platform to launch that, too, so we could be cutting edge, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks again, Luke. Joel? Uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you later. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Luke Nielsen for joining us today via Google Hangouts. And you can see more um, of what we talked about today um, over at irunfar.com. We'll go ahead and leave a link there in the show notes so you can check that out. Don't forget to follow Luke on his endeavors throughout the year. Um, and don't forget to check out the Scout Mountain Ultra Trail Race next year. Don't be left out. Uh, we also like to encourage you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners. Or you can swing by our website at trailmanners.com. You can check out all our gear for sale. Or you can go to our contact page and let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or even if you would like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it. <laughs>